G'day, Monty Church. David Wilson coming to you again from the confines of my garage. I'm actually recording this on Friday night and it is freezing here in the hills. So if I start chattering and losing my teeth, I don't have false teeth, but if they start chattering, well, um, we'll know that there's a problem. But uh, sure is good to be chatting to you about the fruit of the spirit, part two. We looked last week at uh, part one and identified the fruit of the Spirit as contrasted to the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh we saw are very self-serving and uh, community-destroying, whereas the fruit of the Spirit are self-giving and community-building. <clears throat> and I think that's a, that's a huge key to understanding the application of the fruit of the Spirit as we go through uh, this morning's message. Um, we also identified last week that the fruit of the Spirit are a natural production of a life of abiding in Christ. You know, it's not according to our effort, we're going to do this, we're going to, I'm going to be more loving and so forth. There is work involved on our part, of course, but it is a natural production of abiding in Christ. And this is what Jesus talked about in John chapter 15. And we mentioned that in passing last week. So the fruit of the Spirit, it's the fruit of Christ uh, dwelling in us <clears throat> because it's the character of God that is being lived through us and that comes about it glorifies God and it comes about through abiding in Christ you know the, the branch abiding in the vine as Jesus talked about in John 15 now this week we're going to drill down on uh, what the fruit of the spirit really is and uh, how they can be applied in daily life we're going to have a bit of a case study to um to see, uh, you know, to, to make sense of it, uh, what does it really look like in the life of the church and in the life of the individual. <clears throat> so there in Galatians uh, chapter 5, in verse 14, it says the entire law <clears throat> is filled up, uh, in, is fulfilled, sorry, in, in one statement, and that is love your neighbour as yourself. That's in verse 14. Love your neighbour as yourself. And then I suggested that the fruit of the Spirit, which is there in, uh, in, in Galatians chapter 5, is actually um, production of love. It, it, it's love as expressed in these other qualities because it's love that fulfills the whole law. And so in many ways, it's talking about how love is expressed. Love is expressed in joy and peace and patience. Love is expressed in kindness and goodness and faith. Love is expressed in gentleness and self-control. So it's love as it works its way out. These are the characteristics of love. Uh, Paul has looked at the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13 and some, some of them line up with what he is now calling the fruit of the Spirit as expressions of love. Joy. What are we talking about with joy? It's not an exuberance. It's not a dancing around, feeling happy about stuff. It could be translated as calm delight. I, I really like that, calm delight. It's remaining calm no matter what the circumstances are. And there's a sense of delight because we're going to see God working through this. It could also be translated as gladness. We are glad. We are glad that we are in Christ. We are glad that the, the Spirit is able to produce this joy through us. Peace. Well, it's uh, the the Greek word is Irene, and it's um, sort of the equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom. Not quite as uh, complex a word, but but uh, sort of the equivalent. And and one of the common meanings between shalom in the Old Testament and Irene in the um, in the New Testament is this idea of everything having its rightful place. Everything is at peace 
because everything has its rightful place. Uh, everything makes sense. That's the idea there. I'm at peace because everything makes sense. And you know what? That's, uh, that's found when we come into the presence of Christ and, and as we seek to know things from his perspective. You know that, that old song, beautiful old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. Actually, they don't grow strangely dim. They grow strangely um, sensible. <laughs> Everything makes sense. Uh, they, 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 they are, are wondrously revealed to us as we see from Christ's perspective. I know the idea of it becoming strangely dim, you know, we're not so hung up on things that have been worrying us and so forth when we look into the face of Christ, his grace, and, and that's very true. But we get this perspective when we when we look into the face of Christ, when we're when we're dwelling in him, we get a perspective that just makes sense and everything falls into place. Um, <clears throat> what about Patience, well, it's also translated as long-suffering. You know, we're patient um, in, in, in the hard uh, times. Um, and later on, he talks about not giving up, uh, but keeping on doing good. And, and I think we need that uh, patience and that long-suffering uh, to, to be like that. Kindness is an interesting one. It <clears throat> literally means an integrity that is shown or that is expressed in being kind. An integrity that's shown. In being kind, so being kind to one another, you know, it's one of the most powerful things we can. The, the, the kindness epidemic that, that's necessary today, um, but it's it, it's it's that we're being true to ourselves when we're kind. We're being true to the character of God, to the spirit of God, uh, when when we are kind to one another. We put in the opposite effect. It means that we're not being true to ourselves when we're not kind to one another. We're not being true to people who are filled with the Spirit of God. We're not being uh, true to the character of God. There's no integrity when we're being unkind. It's pretty important, isn't it? So kindness is about integrity, uh, being shown in kindness uh, to one another. Goodness? Well, it literally means benevolence. It's the idea of acting in ways that are of benefit to the other person. To the other person. It reminds me of what uh, Paul says in, in Ephesians about speaking to one another. Uh, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building each other up as, as, as much as it, de it, it is going to benefit the other, he says there in Ephesians about communication, benefit to the other. And that's this idea of, uh, of, of goodness that there is a benevolence, that we are acting out of uh, in ways that will be of benefit to the other. That's goodness. Faith? Well, it's, it's literally it's fidelity. It's faithfulness. And so talking about being faithful to who we are and, uh, and, and being true, again, to ourselves. It's very closely linked with, uh, with integrity, isn't it? That uh, we can be those who are um, living a life of fidelity, of faithfulness. Gentleness uh, literally means um, hum humility, you know, that uh, meekness. It could be tran translated as meekness, remember, and, and uh, the idea of being meek. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said in the Beatitudes. Um, it's a mildness of disposition. So it's being gentle. It's not a weakness. 
but it's in how we come across. It's a gentleness. It's not being bombastic. Uh, so it might even be there in confrontation, for instance, but even in confrontation we can be gentle so that people are not uh, sort of reeling from the way that they're confronted. It's a gentleness about it. And we all know uh, people who are who are really good at this. The Spirit seems to be able to work this one through them in some wonderful ways. So humility and uh, mildness of disposition, gentleness. And then self-control. Self-control, the word that's translated self-control, means a mastery of desires and passions. A mastery of desires and passions. You know, so often our own desires and our own passions can get in the way of doing things right. Can get in the way of expressing the character of God through ourselves, expressing love through ourselves. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and Paul is saying here that uh, the, the person who is uh, filled with the Spirit, the, the person who is in allowing the Spirit to flow through them, is going to be in control of the desires and passions that could get in the way of that character being expressed. It's pretty good, isn't it? pretty good and so we see that in, in all of that fruit of the spirit it's actually an expression of the character of God you know I, I know I've said that a whole lot but it just that's that's one of the main points that gets me actually it, it it's it's an expression of the character of God this is God living through us and this is what the world needs you know and how is God lived through us not as a moralistic bombastic horrible person <laughs> but as a person who has calm delight and who sees everything in its place and who is very patient and whose integrity is shown in being kind and, and good for benefit for the other and he's always faithful to himself and he's got this mildness of disposition about him is that how you see God? sometimes we don't and he is very self-controlled. An amazing picture of the character of God. And if it's the character of God, it's the values of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is nothing more and nothing less than God's character being lived out. This is, this is what Jesus told us to pray for. That the world, that the earth might experience what, what it's like in heaven. This is what it's like in heaven. Heaven is filled with joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and gentleness and self-control and love being expressed. Through. That's heaven. <laughs> That's the kingdom of God. And so, you know, when we get to live like this, when the church is a community of people that is known for this stuff because it's lived this life of integrity, well, then people experience heaven on earth. They experience the very character of God. Every one of these characters, characteristics, are descriptive of God. They are how God describes himself and they are a benefit to the church, to the neighborhood, and to the deep inner being that I am in myself. Now, when, when I was thinking about how to really get in touch with this, I, I, I thought, you know, if we were sitting in a small group and in a room, it would be really good to do a case study. It would be good to say, okay, think of something in your life, family life, work life, neighborhood life, church life, 
where, where it would be difficult, where it would be unnatural almost to express the spirit, uh, express the, uh, the fruit of the spirit, these characteristics. Think of something like that. Well, we're not in a small group and we can't have dialogue, which is a pity. But I thought, let me, let me think. Let me think of something that um, is true to life. And, uh, and, and I'll give it to you. And, and we'll have a look at how these fruit of the Spirit are actually lived out. It's one way of being able to, to get into this passage. How would this play out in the very various contexts of life? So I want to use a, a case study, a possible corporate church scenario as an example. Now, some of this is based on fact. I don't know if it's ever happened at Monty. It might have, and you might have had some of this happen to you. I, I, I don't know, but I'm sure you'll be able to relate to it. So excuse me while, while I, I uh, read this, um, but uh, let's, let's try to get in touch. Imagine someone in the neighbourhood is complaining about your gathering on a Sunday morning. They don't like the noise of the singing or the parking in the street. Your church gathering is a blight on the neighbourhood and they're complaining to the council about it. Uh, to make their case stronger, they've circulated a petition to other neighbours looking for signatures. They're escalating the issues by complaining about property issues and even suggesting some cultish-type behaviour amongst the members of the church. How do you handle that? It's pretty hard to take. Uh, defending the church's right to gather and showing that you're living within all the appropriate council guidelines, well, that's a good start. A meeting with the complainants and the neighbours is a really good way to go. Uh, but throughout the process, the real question is, how is the fruit of the Spirit going to be expressed? No matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter you know how we approach this, how are we going to do it with the fruit of the Spirit being expressed? What will the character of the church be like what will love look like in this context? Let me suggest some things. When you gather to discuss the matter, there'll be a sense of calmness as you take joy in being able to represent God's character in a conflict situation. You'll be at peace because you know that God is at work and that here is an opportunity to see all things in their right place in the neighbourhood. You'll have patience because this process might take some time but you will be committed to display an integrity that is expressed in kindness to the neighbours. In every way you will behave as good neighbours in a way that is of benefit to others. Not becoming obsessed with your rights and Committed to being people of faith and faithfulness. You'll be gentle as you handle these issues and in control of all desires, impulses and passions that could take you in a different direction. You see, each of the fruit of the Spirit were mentioned there. The outcome's not guaranteed. It could turn out that the council rules against you and that some unjust stuff happens. The main issue here is that God's character has been expressed and that's got to be good news. Of course, it's very possible that the way you handle the situation could bring remarkable changes in the neighbourhood 
and that a whole new partnership for, for good will eventuate. But no matter what the outcome, and this is the point, no matter what the outcome, you must not get tired of doing good, for you will reap at the proper time if you don't give up. Therefore, as you have opportunity, you must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. That's chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And I tell you, the very fact that you've acted in a godly way is what is truly good for the household of faith. It's not that you're going to get your own way in matters like this. I mean, that would be good for the good for the household of faith. But what's truly good for the household of faith is you act with integrity and that the character of God has been expressed no matter what the outcome, that you can look back upon the process as a church and say, we glorified God in that situation. We glorified God because we allowed the fruit of the Spirit to flow through us as we approach that situation. You see, that's the reality of the fruit of the Spirit. That's how it's lived out. Now, just very briefly before I wind up, in the first few verses of chapter 6, uh, Paul gives us some examples, a bit case study approach in some ways, of what, uh, what it means to be walking in the Spirit. In verse 1, he says that uh, we're to walk with the sinful, those who are overtaken with sin, and restore those who have gone astray, not condemn them, not kick them out, but restore them. And he says, do it with a gentle spirit. You see, gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit. And with the realisation that you could easily be in that person's position, that's humility, fruit of the Spirit. You need self-control not to be in that situation yourself. And so he says, walk with the sinful with the purpose of restoring those who have gone astray. That's how the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is worked out in real life as we walk with one another. And some of us are experiencing problems in our lives. In verse 2, he, he, he talks about walking with the burden. I carry the other person's burden. You know, there's a lot of flack around about people's burdens that I hear, you know, on Facebook and, and, and people talking to me and, you know, a lot of flack around, oh, you know, if he lived his life right, he wouldn't have that problem in his life, you know. I do a lot of work, as you know, I do a lot of work with homelessness and mental health issues and drug addiction and so forth and can I not continue that work in my retirement out here in the hills and I hear a lot of flack about sort of, you know, meritocracy, that, 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 that people need to deserve uh, to be looked after. And a lot of these people don't deserve to be looked after. Well, this verse tells us that we're to walk with the burden by carrying a person's burden, by taking it on ourselves, not, not, not taking the stress and the anxiety on ourselves, but helping this person, walking with this person, helping this person, to bear the load. And uh, Paul says, this fulfills the law of Christ, the love. You see, This fulfills the law of Christ, which is to love one another as Christ has loved us. And then in verses 3 and 5, he talks about humility. And, and, and again, you know, this the idea of gentleness and meekness and so forth and humility. He basically says, don't think you're terrific for doing this. After all, it's a product of the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if, if you're walking with the burdened and carrying their burdens and if you're walking with the sinful and helping to restore them in, in a humility that, that says, boy, I could be there so easily, 
don't think you're anything, anything great. I mean, this is the fruit of the Spirit, you know. And so he says, walk in humility. Just be humble about it. And finally, he says in verses 9 to 10, he, he, he says, um, walk as those who are committed to doing good. Don't get tired of doing good. And, and you know we can when we're walking with the burdened and we're walking with the sinful and, 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 and those who are struggling with issues, we can get tired of it, you know. We can have empathy fatigue and compassion fatigue. And, uh, and Paul says, don't get tired of doing good. And I reckon that one of the reasons, one of the ways we don't get tired of doing good is that we're resting in Christ and allowing the fruit to be naturally produced. It's learning to rest in him. It's learning to take his yoke upon us and for him to live that life through us. And Paul says, use every opportunity you have to work for everyone's benefit, and especially those who are in the church. Well, it's a great passage, isn't it? In conclusion, the fruit of the Spirit, well, it's not just a nice pretty plaque on the wall or a trendy song for the band to play. It's fair income stuff. It's to be lived out in the real daily lives of individuals and of the church so that people, so that our neighbourhoods and our workplaces and our families and our churches experience what it is like to be loved by God himself. That's a great privilege that we have, the fruit of the Spirit, as the Spirit works out the character of God through each of us. Thank you very much for letting me into your living rooms today. I pray that this coming week will be a great week as you abide in Christ and allow the fruit of the Spirit to flow through you. What an exciting life. See ya.